I am Peter Sherman, in for Alex Pearson. This is On Point on Global News Radio. As the man said, uh, I want to talk a little bit uh, and, and come at this from a different angle, uh, a little bit about um, the families of the workers, very particularly. The families of the workers out in Oshawa who have been told that their plant is shutting down uh, later in 2019, so uh, within the next year. This is... Um, this is a big deal in a family's life. This is not the first time that this has happened in our area or, frankly, in any area. But when it happens and it affects you in particular and your family in particular, uh, it is um, something of, I, I would have to say of crisis proportions, at least talking from what I think would be my standpoint if uh, if somebody came home and told me or if I had to go home and tell my family that uh, what I did was disappearing and that I'd have to find a new place to earn a living. That can't be easy for, um, let's take a, an average 55-year-old who's worked at the plant for maybe 20 years. Um, Doug Ford, Premier Ford, says that the General Motors plant in Oshawa cannot be saved. He's the guy who says that. Uh, other people say otherwise. Ford says that uh, instead his government will help the families of workers who are losing their jobs. And he says the Prime Minister and Union Leader Jerry Dias of Unifor are just plain talking. Let's listen. All we hear are a bunch of powerful people grandstanding, deflecting, selling false hope, making empty promises. They're busy picking fights and raising false hope. But in private, they know the GM plant is not coming back. So I ask myself when I listen to Premier Ford, if... In fact, he isn't the one who's being the realist and the prime minister is beating the drum in an election year particularly and saying, we're going to do everything we can. Uh, and the union leader, Jerry Dias, of course, is, is doing what union leaders do. We're going to fight and we'll damn well save this plant. Those kinds of things. I worry about what the effects are on the families and whether or not um, the Ford approach is better. In other words, let's try for acceptance. But uh, why should I judge? I am not the professional here. I'm a talk radio host. But I've got somebody who's a professional, and that's our friend Dr. Oren Amate, registered psychologist. Good to have you with us again, Oren. Thank you, Peter. All right, so you heard my setup. You tell me, uh, from the standpoint of, uh, of a psychologist who has to deal with people who are uh, generally consulting you because on some level they're in crisis, is it better to, to start from the beginning and just accept the fact that our family is going to go through transition and deal with it on those terms rather than sitting around for maybe three or four or six months holding out hope for something that, if we're to believe Premier Ford, just isn't going to materialize. Yeah, the research shows that um, in these kinds of situations, it is better to know where you stand. Um, so in cases where, you know, layoffs are happening, uh, the people who actually get fired first or, you know, during the current round of, uh, of terminations usually are better because, or for the very reason you mentioned, you know where you stand, you can then start to plan rather than, you know, being in limbo basically and being anxious for every day for the next, in this case, let's say six months. So if you were um, an advisory person, and, and you could easily be, to uh, somebody who's, 
going to be affected here and who's told they're going to be affected. Uh, and, and they were sitting down for a counseling session and said to you, but my union leader, Jerry Dias, is a great guy and I know he's honest and, and he's trying his best and he's very powerful because he leads this monster union and he says we're going to win. Would you counsel them to, uh, to follow that or would you say, look, I have no, uh, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I'm, I'm thinking that it might be something like, I'm sure that he's not lying to you in the sense that he has that intention, but the reality is you probably are going to have to find another job and here's what you have to do. One, two, three, four, five. You tell me what you do. Well, I would be more realistic. And so if looking at the information, if I knew, you know, as it looks that there's not a good chance that they're going to maintain their jobs, uh, you know, unless I'm really certain that they could, I would be more inclined to say what you did say, which is, look, let's look at the, you know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best, but recognize the realistic probabilities. And in this case, those probabilities are quite low. So you need to prepare yourself and you need to start looking. And worst case scenario, uh, you have to say no thank you to any new jobs that uh, might appear. Um, but it, it's better to, have, to hit the ground running before the layoffs are made official. So I'm very proactive. I've worked with many clients who've been in similar situations, and we like to, you know, I want to empower them. I want them to know I'm taking proactive steps now. I'm looking at what the landscape looks like, and I have to overcome. You know, there's, there's time for compassion to, to be prepared for the shock, but once that shock set, you know, sets in, or avoiding it, we hope, um, I have to help them look ahead and see what their prospects really look like, not some faint hope. Okay, so we're sitting here on the radio, and uh, I imagine that younger children are not our, our prime audience, but we have a number of adults who tune us in and, and like this kind of information. And, and so let's imagine that we're talking, to, I'm sure we are talking to some people who have been directly affected. What do we say to those people in terms of how they deal with their families and how they deal with their lives now? So what we say is, first of all, um, and this is a bit of a harsh lesson and it has to be said with utter compassion, that you cannot expect that anybody owes you anything. Because when people get resentful, when they, just, when they only focus on how unfair this was, that GM, you know, they took all these billions of dollars of taxpayers, they promised till 2022 or whatever, uh, and now they're turning around and screwing us over. If you, if you take that attitude, you feel disempowered. You feel that the world's not fair. You feel the world owes you something, and all of those combine to demotivate you. So what I say to them is, you know, you've got to talk to your family. You have to let them know what's happening. You have to stay positive. You don't lie to them, but, you know, you, depending on the age of the, the people uh, in the family, you kind of prepare them, and they have to know that there is a possibility that you may have to move. You may have to downsize. You may have to go through some, you know, serious changes in your lifestyle, but it really depends on the age of each person, their mental maturity, and the likelihood of something happening. So if there's only a small chance that you would have to move, um, you wouldn't want to get everybody upset and frantic and anxious uh, if there are opportunities nearby. But if you've, you know, if you've looked and you've seen that you know, there are no choices, we have to move, then you start telling them as soon as possible so they can start preparing. And you don't frame it in a doom and gloom way. You don't frame it as, oh, look what uh, GM has done to us. It's so unfair and so on because that gets absorbed by the kids. They don't only feel anxious and powerless themselves, but then they start learning lessons, which might not be
be accurate, lessons like the world is unfair, etc. They should learn the world owes you nothing and you have to be adaptable, but you don't want them to think that they're always going to get screwed over by, you know, some authority. So essentially, the message from you is, look, the General Motors door is likely closing, but the way to look at the world is that there will be another door and it will say something other than GM and it will be opening and you've got to be proactive in finding that door and opening it. So I, I'm i not the psychologist, I'm the radio guy, but I'm a guy who's been fired once or twice in my life The be- and, and I've seen it coming sometimes. The best thing to do at this point and, and see if you agree with this is hey, you're going to lose your job probably in July, August, September, whatever it happens to be. You've got time here, plus you're going to get a severance when that day comes. You should be looking for that job, that next job now. Oh, for sure. And you get a jump on everybody because you say there are some people who are going to be pinning their hopes on some outcome that is unlikely or low, you know, low probability. And so if you start looking now, you have a much better chance. And that, again, makes them feel proactive, makes them feel positive. And in, in reality, it is giving them an advantage over those who are being, you know, again, less, let's say, realistic. Is there a curve that we could uh, relate to the age of the individual workers that that would somehow or other um, play into the level of fear? I would imagine that if you're 38 and you work at the plant, you're thinking, so big freaking deal, I'll go get another job. Whereas if you're 54, 55, you're saying, ho, ho, I may be in some trouble here. Yeah, unfortunately, the older people, uh, realistically speaking, are going to have a harder time. They're less employable. Um, and that's where it feels really unfair because, A, they think I've got so much seniority or I should, you know, likely do have more seniority in a plant and accounts for nothing. And then when I apply for a new job, all that seniority might, you know, again, count for nothing. Um, because uh, they'll just feel that I'm lacking in the other skills or the updated skills and so on that I need to compete with uh, younger people. Um, and also, if they say, okay, you know, I'm willing to take a lower job just because I want to feed my family, they're at risk of having someone say to them, you know, whether it's true or not, but saying, you know, you're overqualified. That's the worst thing that you can ever hear. When you say, look, I just want to work. I want to earn my keep. And someone says you're overqualified. It just, it's another, it's more salt in the wound. So the older people will have a harder time, most likely. They're looking toward, you know, they were thinking of retiring at some point. Uh, they, you know, may have a, a large number of debts. Who knows how everybody was uh, spending prior to this, you know, how secure they felt. I'll tell you right now, anyone who took those jobs originally, uh, if they were my patients, I would say, look, do not start spending like a a wild person. Even if you think you have a lot of money coming in, you have to be prudent. None of this is guaranteed. I don't care what they tell you. You have to be prepared for an emergency. So I'm hoping that, um, that, you know, whatever age it is, 55 to, you know, to 25, I hope they were being responsible. I hope they have a bit of a cushion. And I would remind them that that cushion is very important and, you know, because uh, that can help them perhaps spend a bit more time looking for a better job. Or, especially with older workers, they may have to spend some of that time upgrading. They have to look, and that's why we want to be proactive, you know, look into the field and see, you know, are my skills up to date? Am I employable? Speak to, uh, you know, I know there's government resources that um, can help you out and see, am I, uh, can I sell myself well? Am I a desired uh, employee? And if not, what do I need to do to change that? And how do I take my disadvantages, for example, my age, and turn them into advantages? 
how best do I market myself? And these are all the kind of things that, um, you know, that I've worked with clients uh, at trying to uh, improve on. And it's, again, it's never being unrealistic. It's never fantasizing and, and hoping for the best, or, well, you hope for the best, right? It's never uh, wishing uh, that things are going to happen and be thinking that those wishes will come true. Wishing is not a strategy, never is. Exactly. It's, it's as good of a strategy as uh, buying lottery tickets is for a retirement. There you go. Oren Amate, it's always a pleasure, and I think you've uh, provided, uh, I would hope, some of the General Motors workers, and if not directly, then indirectly through friends who are listening, with some practical advice on how to approach their situation. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Sorry, Peter, can I just add one last thing? Of course. Yes, everybody who's in a situation, they have to put aside their pride. And if there are supports, whether it's personal, whether it's uh, financial or anything else like that, they have to start reaching out. You reach out to everybody and just say, you know what, here's the situation. How can you help? You start networking, rely on the people around you and, and you know, find out where your friends really are and, and ask for that support. Any type needed, either for you or your family. Again, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Dr. Oren Amate, a frequent guest with us, and uh, he's a registered psychologist. And uh, if you want to take a look at his website, it's docamate.com. Just like it sounds, it is spelled, and I think his advice is timely and pragmatic. I am Peter Sherman, in for Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.